Welcome to the Real Top Podcast, where we meet with real top entrepreneurs from around the globe to discuss what motivates them, who inspired them, and so much more. Here's your host, Nick Zucalis. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome you to the Real Top Show. Uh, we have here today a very, very special guest, Trisha Grant. What's up, Trisha? Hey, baby. How What's are going you? on? Yeah, here we go. I know. So, I'm so excited. This is phenomenal. I'm very excited. We just had a little pre dialogue talking about Australia, and we're going to get into it more. But before that, I'm going to introduce Trisha. And Trisha is, she's, uh, she's going to, she's going to, She's going to blow your mind, guys. So Trisha Grant is an ISA certified trainer facilitator. She is the co-founder of EQ, the co-founder of EQ Culture, the industry's leading in-depth EQ course for organizations. Trisha deepened her studies this year with certifications in attachment theory and PTSD studies through ITTI. Knowing the importance of emotional intelligence being used as a vehicle to deepen self-awareness, this was the natural progression in her journey as more people are on the road to enlightenment and full internal happiness. I know I am. Trisha is also an intuitive coach and studies internal energetic frequencies to guide people in increasing their baseline and reacting less. She has one son and lives in Australia and loves the ocean. Trisha, what's up? Oh my gosh. Did I write that? Oh my God. You wrote it and you wrote it in purple, which I love that. Right away, the frequency of your email was sky high. <laughs> well, you don't ever want to like reply in red because for some reason, red's like the correcting pen in in university, in like in high school and university. So red I always choose like purple or blue. What do you pick? What What do you pick when you reply? I, I pick red. <laughs> just just go for it. Bloody red. <laughs> Jeez, you might as well put a big fat F on that email. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, so Trisha, I'm pretty pumped, guys. So uh, Trisha, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your business. Yes. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm looking forward to, yeah, just talking to you, Nikitas. We go back. So that's awesome. Um, so yeah, yeah, we do. Um Cool. So my journey really, I mean, obviously started when I was young. I was very similar to you um, in high school, very charismatic, always had high emotional intelligence, but not particularly studious in this smart, always smart, just not not really great at applying myself, I don't think, in 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 high school. Um, as I moved forward, I sort of carried that sort of same trait. Um, but throughout my journey, I was always trying lots of different things. I have all these great ideas and these wonderful entrepreneurial ventures that I wanted to start. And I always sort of just got to a certain point and either quit or sold it or failed and like couldn't really hold on to one thing. Um, in about probably about six years ago, I was at an entrepreneurial event with a bunch of women and they were all going around the room talking about like, I love this. And I'm, my passion is this. And as that was happening, I could like feel my internal self, just like, what am I going to say? And it came up to me and I was, I just burst into tears. And I was at the time I was selling like makeup. Uh, oh no. Um, face, face wash for a multi-level marketing company, a big company out of the U S and I was like, I don't know what my purpose is. <laughs> I'm lost. And, um, a woman in that group was a life coach. And she said, I'm going to help you. And so 
she did. It was like the best investment I ever made. And that sort of started my journey um, on the road to emotional intelligence and also learning and understanding that I'm excellent at starting things. And, and that's a really great skill to have. So how could I find something where I was able to work with lots of different organizations and lots of different people connecting to people? Um, and, and then it was all sort of underpinned with emotional intelligence. And so a, a year or two after that, I went for it and I got my certification. That was about three years ago in EQ. And then this year, uh, actually in 2020, I had been really wriggling around. EQ is amazing. Emotional intelligence. It's, we'll get into that in a little bit and I'll just keep continuing with my journey, but what happened for me was because I was really tapping in and going super deep into my self-awareness, I was wriggling around with a lot of stuff that I had in my unconscious and it just all came, came crashing down this year. And that last year in 2020, excuse me, sorry, I keep doing that because it's January. Um, but nonetheless, um, yeah. And when that happens, you basically get punched in the face with all of this stuff, all of your stuff. Um, and, and it's, they refer to it as the dark night of the soul. And it shows you everything, like every little bit of your traits. And I, and so because I had the, the understanding of self-awareness, I said, okay, something's not happening to me. Something's happening for me. And I truly believe that when that happens, when we have experience and something like that, sometimes these things happen when we lose someone or um, we have a really bad breakup, uh, this event can happen to you and you can either have a breakdown or a breakthrough. So I said, oh, something's happening here. I'm, I'm going through something. And so I took it as my cue to really deepen my work. And that's where um, sort of my interest in trauma and deeper subconscious work started. And it's sort of a natural progression. And, and I think um, myself and my business partner um, are really at the forefront of bridging, you know, these mod modalities like emotional intelligence with people's personal journeys. You know, I, I dare say spiritual journeys, personal journeys and family, because if 2020 taught us something, it was that you can't compartmentalize them. We've been trying to compartmentalize work, family, personal journeys, spiritual journeys. And now I think we really are at the forefront of bridging that together. And we're going to see that as we move forward uh, with work environment. Let me ask you when it sounded like you went through this journey to find out more about yourself and what makes you tick. Mm. And did you did that happen to you as a result of going through the training and wanting to help other people? Or did you go through this journey for yourself and go deep for yourself and then discover you wanted to help others? Like, you know, what came for this, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've always had this connection to people in general and wanting to help people. Um, I guess it was really simultaneous. I, I, I dare say that I, I got really quite addicted to doing the in, inward work. Um, and then when you do that, you really, you know, so many times I have conversations with people that are like, I'm afraid to like, see what's in there. Or like my childhood was so bad. I don't even know what's in there. And so like, um, for me, it wasn't really a question because there's an archetype of the healer having to heal themselves. 
So in order for me to understand my clients and what they're going through, whether they're just someone who wants to do surface work and really just to get to know themselves on a very basic level, which is fantastic, or someone that wants to go really deep, if I haven't walked through the fire myself, I'm not going to be able to understand them as much as I, I can now. As a result of all this work, um, my intuition has gone fuching because you're almost able to view from a perspective of a very, very high, higher plane, you know, off of 3D really, and seeing things in a much greater, greater, greater perspective. And so the results are fantastic, whether you're just, you know, just starting on your journey, or if you're someone who's been doing self-development for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Trisha, the, the process of going deeper. Okay. Mm. For practical purposes, what does that consist of? Does it consist of sessions working with uh, an emotional intelligence uh, a coach? Does it consist of meditation? Is it some sort of self uh, now? You know what 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 actually goes into it uh, for practical purposes? If someone's wondering on the surface, like what does this actually look like going yeah. going deep? Because I'm sure a lot of people are you know want to go there in their life. You know, and I know. If, Personally speaking, you know, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about what makes this crazy mind tick and, and yeah. why I do certain things. You know, I'd really love to. Yeah. What does it look like? Sure. That's a really good question. So again, because I have my certification at the Institute of Social and Emotional Intelligence, I have a resource pack. So what we do is a psychometric test for people to measure their EQ and so what that does is give them 26 competencies and we walk through their story on their different personality traits and how they're showing up. Some of the competencies of EQ include empathy, integrity, communication, building bonds, um, building trust, behavioral self-control, your triggers. So, so we can start there. And then for me, my modalities now include um, cognitive behavioral therapy, and I'm actually studying shamanism, which sounds scary, but it's not. It's actually just a way to like deepen subconscious work. I've had people that have signed up for like a one-off session for me, and they're like, I'm so scared. And I'm like, it's still just me, and we're just going to have fun. And like, at, what happens is sometimes, yes, you you face um, your inner wounds. Like I do a lot of work around self-worth um, where I might help have people write down when they felt not worthy in their life. And they're addressing things that are a little painful, but when you do that, you shine light on them. And then you actually feel so much more filled in the, at the end, because you're no longer afraid of it. You're no longer shunning it. So to answer your question a little bit more is um, it depends on where my clients are in their journey but most everyone is open to a little bit more subconscious, um, a little bit more subconscious work. So it can include like meditations and activations that are almost like um, hypnosis type sessions um, or um, energy clearing. I do emotional imprint clearing um, and it's, it's just so beautiful. But again, like sometimes it just takes my clients to. I can't tell them anything. My client has to realize it on their own. That comes from intuitive coaching, which is a style that I use. So I ask my clients questions and they come to, they come to the realization uh, on I, their own. I've used some, um, I've used some life coaches in the, in, in the past. And what I, what I notice is, you know, and it was wildly successful, you know, and if I can suggest anything to 
anybody entrepreneurial wanting to be a high achiever, get a coach, mm. get a coach, spend I mean, there's no, there's, you know, for every dollar you put into coaching, I mean, the ROI is a hundredfold, forget marketing, get a, yes. bill, get a coach. Yes. Um, but I noticed they had this interesting way of not answering any of my questions, but asking mm-hmm. the questions that got me to understand myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder if, you know, you mentioned this, you know, 26 point personal assessment. Um, I, I wonder if as, are, are, when people are going through this assessment, do they start having realizations by just yeah. going through the, yeah. Yeah. Lots of like, sometimes there's emotional releases where people are like, Oh my gosh, that is me. I'll give you an example. Actually. Um, I had one particular client who was really high in integrity and she actually, and I asked her a question. I said, when is that not served you? And she took a minute and, and she's ultimately ended up having a bit of a moment where it was a bit of an emotional release for her. And she said, I think I'm like a know-it-all. I think I don't really have a a lot of room for other people's opinions. And I was like, okay, that's a really good realization. She's like, I think I have really strong opinions that I don't, because integrity is amazing and we all want high integrity, but if your integrity is too high, do you have room to hear other people's perspectives? Are you being open and flexible in the situation? Are you so integral in your value? This could be like really a really religious person. Hitler had extremely high integrity to really, really punch, punch out there, but, um, it's, they don't deviate from what they believe in. And so, yeah, so these are different ways that our greatest, our greatest skill is can be our greatest demise. So mine was resilience and it was showing up with me quitting jobs and starting things and stopping all the time because I'm so resilient that I didn't. You're such a, you're such a scrapper. Yeah, just, just so scrappy, just feel anything. Just whatever. I'm like, all right, whatever. Next, next. But, but uh, no. But and then, honestly, Nikita, this year I realized that that actually is an anxious response to the trauma that I was holding. So as I continued to deepen, I'm realizing that that baseline, which I talked about in my in what you read in my introduction, that emotional regulation is really getting this graph that I was talking about instead of it going up and down being so regulated and you get that regulation, the deeper you go. Is that, is that, that straight line, is that flow? When people talk about being in like this flow state where everything just sort of, or (laughs) is that something similar to that? You know, I, I, I wonder, and um, you know, the, the purpose of someone, you know, using your services and and doing this deep dive uh, for themselves is, is the purpose to identify weaknesses and to, to try to fix them, identify things or, or strengths and try to build on them. What's what's a common practice after someone goes through an assessment like this? Mm, okay. So, yeah. So what we typically do if, so mm, it's interesting. I deal with two different types of clients. We have EQ culture, which is our organizational, uh, it's a nine month program that organizations can use and human resources departments, or they can do the, they can do the course in nine months, which is very little time investment. It's about two hours a week per person that's involved. We, we do about 10, 10 people, uh, sometimes 15. And then we also, you can also take that course faster if you're like a human resources director and you just want to go through the course. 
that starts with the assessment. Then you list your three strengths and your three growth areas. And then those are the areas that we really provide resources for. Um, but if you buy the program, you get all of the resources, you get everything. It's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, in the reality is, is just to shine light on them and gather feedback from other people around you. And I do believe that in organizations, sometimes we do these 360s where we're asking people to get feedback, but you have to prep people for feedback. And in order to do that, they have to have an element of self-awareness because if they don't have self-awareness and they're not really having those like aha moments about themselves and you hit them with feedback, people can get hurt, defensive, angry, have animosity toward the organization. So how do you prepare them? um, Through emotional intelligence, psychometrics, (laughs) you know? Mm. Yeah. 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 They're amazing. Like they, I, I don't think I've had one person that's not like, Oh my gosh, wow. That really is me. Um, it, it just beautiful. So that's one, one way, um, that I, I work with my clients and that's how they, they get those results. And then as they move forward in their journey, they deepen themselves. But I have clients that are constantly messaging me and just been like, I woke up today and Oh my gosh, I realized this. And it's like, the best thing when the light bulb goes off, it's like, okay, okay, cool. Now with that, we can go a little bit deeper if you want to. Trisha, with, you know, is your typical client a business owner? Are they a high achiever? Are they a housewife? Like what's the common avatar of, of, of your, for your clientele? Yes. yes. Thanks for asking. It's, it's, it runs the gamut. Um, because I, I play as Trisha Grant in the corporate world. Um, and now, I mean, just to be transparent. We, I am transitioning more into that energetic work and that deeper subconscious work. Uh, as you know, on Facebook, I have a different name, which I trade under, which is Asha T it's a healing name. So, but as Trisha Grant, I pull in clients, uh, magnetize clients that are, you know, more business owners, um, and people like that. But the thing, and then, and then, in, and then, it, my avatar in in Facebook is a, a woman, usually a high achiever or someone who has. I'm a premium price coach, so they have to be ready to make the investment, um, and usually someone who's really wanting to increase their self worth, which is my always my goal is like to heal people so they feel so good inside that that they're not affected by external as much. I love that. You have a, you have a trait that you, I don't know if you're aware of, and I hope I can contribute as as much as you can, but you know, I've I've known you for a very long time and you have the ability to leave a room better off than when you first got to that room. And there's a special, not that many people can do that. Not, 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 not that many people can come into a room and be able to read the room and be able to connect with people on a one-on-one basis as well as you, you have this. And I know, and and I can tell you've had this from a young age because you used to do it. Uh, Listeners, Trisha and I went to high school together. So I've known Trisha for a very, very long time. And one thing that I recall that you had this great skill is, you know, you would come into the room and I noticed you didn't need to belong to a particular clique or a group. Mm -hmm. You were Mm -hmm. able to work the room and connect Uh with everyone from, you know, the geek like me to the guys playing football to, you know, the high achieving academics, you seem to be able to connect with everybody. And it takes a certain amount of emotional intelligence to be able to do that. That's not academic. 
that's not something that we got in, in a book in school. It's not something we got, I mean, you're, you're getting it in a book now, you know, with certifications, but you had this ability and it, it's an interesting trait. And I think people who have this, this ability can have, you know, in anything they apply themselves, usually they're successful because mm-hmm. you're, you're going to make sure before you leave their room, someone has a return on investment on the interaction with you. Okay. Yeah. And, and you have this, and I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about, I want to talk about your interactions with, with business owners. You mentioned something earlier, um, you know, the, the 26 point self-assessment, if I said it right. Um, yeah. And the first thing you mentioned was, was empathy. Yes. If you found with, with business owners that they have, or are there some and this is a question we're, we're trying to figure out here on the show. Are there some common denominators when it comes to business owners or even successful business owners when it comes to their emotional intelligence? Or maybe when you have those these three strengths, you know, if we were to, you know, survey 100 business owners or, or figure out their, their three strengths, you know, are there some common denominators in, in, in these people? Yes. So that's a great question. And first off, I just want to say thank you for that awesome comment that you made. I will um, highlight as well that, you know, was also my want to please people, ability to like people pleasing, which I've worked through as well this year, which has been amazing. It's almost like now I just don't care as much. I still love people, but it's not, it's coming from a real genuine place of connection more so, but you also have that and you're amazing. And I it's love a, that about you. I've always loved that about you. Thank you're you for so saying charismatic. That. Charismatic. If, if we're going deep, by the way, people pleasing could be a, a real problem like all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's actually, again, two competencies within, within um, <sighs> emotional intelligence, personal power and setting boundaries and people getting their voice. And, and a lot of the times you can't do that until you have that self-worth within yourself. And then you feel comfortable being able to set these boundaries. It's so beautiful. Ooh, I love it. I love it. It's a struggle for me. I got to tell you, setting those boundaries, saying no. Oh my God, I'll run around three o'clock in the morning, try to help somebody. I can't say no. I know it's tough. Well, the thing is, Nikitas, I'll give you this tip and you write down when you say no, you're saying yes to something else, something more important, like your family. So I'm saying no, because I'm saying yes to this. And it's a strategy that um, can I'm really ready. help you to really, because whenever it, every yin has a yang. So whatever you're saying yes to, you're saying no to something else. So if, if it's somebody's asking you something and you've got that little voice, that's like, should I say yes? Think about what you're saying. No I to. love that. And for, for you entrepreneurs out there listening that are busy saying yes, and you have this amazing ability to just go to the, the, the depths of despair for your clients and for all the people around you. When you're saying no, you're saying yes to something else. And that's that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that free nugget. That was incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you're awesome. Okay, so what was the question again? I can't so remember. The, the question, <laughs> what was the question? The question was, yeah. you know, if we look at some some people that are high achievers, they're, they, they're just going for it all the time. Their ambition is just coming out of their ears on a consistent basis, right? Yes. Do you find some common denominators in terms of strengths and weaknesses that, that are, you know, that, that you see? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with entrepreneurs, typically the strengths lie in resilience, 
um, building bonds. This is social awareness, right? So there's four, within those 26 competencies, there's four main quadrants. Self-awareness, which is your accurate self-assessment, um, your emotional self-awareness, your behavioral self-control. And then we have self-management. Sorry, so that's where behavioral self-control sits, integrity. That's how you manage yourself. And then we have social awareness, how you read a room. And then we have social management, which is how you manage others. Entrepreneurs, leaders tend to have their strengths in that, that area. If they are along further, far enough in their journey, if they've addressed themselves, if they're aware of their strengths, um, that's when you start to see that. So it really depends on where the entrepreneur is in their journey. One particular entrepreneur I worked with, um, he was actually... Um, one of his growth areas was building bonds. So I gave him an assignment to start reaching out and setting up coffee with like 10 people in his LinkedIn network every week. And then within um, a month, he got funded for his startup, $400,000. So yeah, he called me straight away and he no, like no. sent, me, sent me a photo of like this super ridiculously expensive scotch and was like, oh my God. And yeah, it was amazing. But it was, he was like, I haven't had that ability to like make those connections. And now I have the confidence to make those connections. So it really depends on where they are in the journey. But you bring up a really... So I do want to talk a little bit about other leaders of existing organizations right now. And there's another test, also a psychometric test that's called the dark triad. And it actually Whoa. tests it. Te yeah, it tests. Oh I know it tests narcissism, um, Machiavellianism and um, psycho psychopathy. And it's because a lot of times these leaders who have been in these positions, 20, 30, 40 years, these not so in, in innovative and moving forward type leaders, um, you know, that those are some of the traits that they, they inhibit as well, which works really deeply with what I'm doing with the deeper trauma release, because narcissism is actually someone who is, it's an empath that is so afraid to look at themselves that, that every time they, they don't look at that, they can't look at themselves. That's where those personality traits come from. And so if they were to do the inward work and heal themselves, then, then they would become a beautiful, empathetic, warm person. We all do. It's, it's when we start having anxiety, when we start flipping out, when we start flipping our lids and having no behavioral self-control, that's really just an, an internal wound that, that needs addressing. I read recently, and I'm not going to quote the exact person because I forget, I forget his name, but he, um, he did this this deep dive on narcissists, especially business owners, and found that, you know, number one, there is a high percentage of narcissists that were business owners, and you know, but yeah. you know, a lot of them found or or uh, 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 a common trait along with uh, a common trait along with successful narcissists was the ability to simultaneously be empathetic. Which you think about it, it's just it's it's just it's so strange. You would just never associate kind of one with the other, um, with, uh, with, with narcissists, you know, how, first of all, how would you define a narcissist? Like in your own words, layman terms for those that haven't studied this stuff. Yeah. So again, I, when I had that moment last year, I realized that I was showing up in my relationship with, with narcissistic traits. And what that looks like is that my husband was in front of me, you know, showing me love. And I would actually be seeking external 
seeking external gratification, you know, sort of running away from the person that's right in front of you. And that's sort of what a narcissist is is do in doing. Now they say this is part of my work. I really want to deepen whether or not narcissistic behavior can be healed completely because they say that, you know, it is such a, um, uh, an imbalance in the brain, but we're realizing with the level of neurological research that's happening right now, that your DNA does change as you release trauma, as you begin to deepen your work on yourself, you can change your DNA. I've, I've just mentioned that to you, all this work I'm doing, I feel like I'm going backwards in age because I'm doing, I can feel my, myself changing like internally. Um, but for narcissists, they, they tend to typically for, let's talk like from a relationship perspective, they almost get in these relationships. Maybe they last seven years, 10 years, and then they get so frustrated with what's happening. They, they leave and they, and again, they can be really empathetic and warm and sweet to people outside of them, outside of themselves and outside of those closest to them. Um, and, and it's really hurtful for the people that are closest to them. And then usually what happens is the person who's being hurt gets so frustrated or the narcissist can't take it anymore. Uh, they tend to jump into another relationship or jump into another business and they go from one place to the next. And so then it leaves whoever's behind very damaged because, um, that person has experienced a severe amount of, um, you know, pain from this person, but the truth is, and this is, this is how I divine a narcissist, a, a deeply, deeply, deeply wounded empath. There's someone who has thoughts in their head, anxiety, emotional, they have the emotional capacity to be a good person. We all do. They just don't have, they have, they're so deeply wounded. And so that's usually what that current turns out to. And, and you can't bottle it in Nikita. It's going to come out like, or you just like die, like all bottled up and miserable. And that's not good, but like it, it's, it's going to start coming out. So, yeah. Do you think right now as a society, especially like social media, the fact that we have the ability to flip a camera on our phone and stare at ourselves and make pictures of ourselves and make ourselves look better. Do you think we're creating, do you think we're creating more narcissists um, than, than, what we should do you, do you think as a society through technology we're creating more nar more narcissists do you think this is going to be a more prevalent issue with our kids generation that's such a, a loaded question because there's two things happening right so if we want to talk about the energetic frequency of the earth right now and sort of that spiritual um Go up level it. that's that's how i know let's do it should we go we're, we're going for it we're listen, going for it <laughs> you, you said it earlier i don't think i agree with you i don't think any of this stuff should be put in a box yeah I like into compartmentalization exactly yeah these so, aren't categories these are all yes i know hold on let me just plug in my hold on okay yeah okay yes so basically what's happening on the earth from an energetic perspective is the consciousness is rising of the planet. So there's so many people that are doing this work, this deeper work, um, self-development. It's kind of, it's, it's, you see it everywhere, right? You know, so many coaches, so many people doing this oh, yeah. and helping people. It's, it's amazing. But when that happens, because we're a collective of humans, we're all together and we work off the same energetic vibration everybody starts to rise. So we're all becoming more aware. So within, they say about in, from now until two, 2028, um, we're going to, we're going to up level 
to consciousness. Now, some people are a little bit further on, and there's a beautiful resource called the Hawkins scale, which let which which measures the different frequencies. For example, the United States right now is somewhere in and around the fear frequency, where shocker um whereas you know australia is in a much higher frequency because um we're not really dealing with what it is that you're dealing on the level of fear the the concept with the hawkins scale of frequency of energetic frequency is that if you vibrate above a 200 which is pretty much like peace internal peace you can offset the fear frequency of 10 million people so the that's the vibrational power of our energetic frequency which is what i've been really digging deep into so for someone that's living in the united states where the fear frequency is is high i mean this is probably one of the more important times to work on yourself just to fight off Yes. Shut it, yeah, shut it off and go in, go inward. So what I believe, um, because I'm sort of, I do, I feel like I'm at the forefront of this. I think there are people that are like, what is she talking about? But I think in five to seven years, people are going to be like, that's what she was talking about. Okay. You know, um, and I feel like I've almost been called to lead this movement to help people get out of those low vibrational frequencies. So because that's happening, and then we also have social media and sort of this narcissism happening, it's it's going to create a lot of strange dynamic. I think we're in for a little bit of a ride with people having to face themselves. Um, in social media is interesting. I do personally put up a lot of photos. I don't use filters, but I put up a lot of photos, but for me, and I, I think this is advice for everybody is like, I don't even go on social media. I put my post up and then I just, I like F off and I'm like, whatever I'm in my, I'm in my DMS all the time for business. And I respond to people's comments, but I don't like watch my likes. I don't care. If you follow me, follow me. If you like what I'm putting out, awesome. If not, totally cool with that too. And so- You're I'm a creator, as, you're not a consumer. Yeah, exactly. Because there's just like no point really for me to like, I don't care if you like me or if you don't. I do, I do. But also like, it's not I the care. point. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I care. Um, but like, it's also like part of it is to- just really get my content out. And if people are, if our people are, are feeling healed and feeling helped by what I can help them with, then that's fantastic. And so I encourage all of us to really take that on. I, I will be interested to see what happens with our youth right now. Uh, there's an uprise. And so it's simultaneous. You've got this consciousness uprise and then this, this vehicle of social media that is like, you know, narcissistic behavior, narcissistic behavior. Look at me, look at me. Um, and it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna collide. I, I reckon. I think we're gonna see a little bit of a collision. It's pretty exciting. It's interesting <laughs> to see my nine-year-old. You know, when he sees we're posting a family selfie, and he's he's more aware, I think, than even I am sometimes. How awful it is like the whole it's not awful but it, it's yeah. it's it's strange like he can kind of you know he, he he sees how awkward and strange this is and why should we be doing this why should we be sharing this picture with these people i don't i don't get it it's just so strange the fact that we need to advertise this um yes. i want to um trisha i want to have a little fun with you right now Okay. I love that. I want to say one quick thing. I I do want to say one quick thing for anybody who is following me or or does follow me on socials. The 
I tried to like get away from doing the photos and just putting script. I don't know if you've seen any of those posts where I'm just like putting scripts and I keep trying to get away from it. And then my sales coach, cause I, I same as you, I always have a coach. I've got a sales coach right now. And then a shaman I'm working with. And um, my sales coach is like, get more photos of yourself. Up. People love it. And so I'm in like this rock and hard place of like, just wanting to get my message out and then like people gravitating toward me and my photos. So, um, I'm going to, I'm excited again to see where that goes. Cause I'm like, I'd like it, to get away from my face completely, but there's a struggle, you know, in one of my businesses, we do, we do marketing for people, particularly social media marketing. And I ask mm. business owners, Hey, how come you're not posting pictures of you know, your day? And they're like, I don't want to post pictures of myself. I'm like, well, I'd like to see pictures of you. And I think your customers would too, and your relationships would too. Yeah. They're coming from a place of, I guess, not wanting to be a narcissist or maybe they're just a little introverted. Right. Sure. We're really interested in their journey. Yes. So I think the the we need we need to do one of two things to get over that hump. Okay. Number one, we need to come to the realization that some people really are interested in our journey and we can provide value and we can inspire people. And sometimes it's just a matter of throwing a picture up with the text that's going to accompany with it to remind people that we're human beings, especially what you yes. said about not using a filter. Yes. And or and or the business hack. <laughs> Have someone do the posting for you. Because if you find it to be cringy to hit the button, let them do it for you. And that, works, and that works too. And just provide the message. I um, love that. I, I want to go into your entrepreneurial journey a little bit more. And, okay. Um, you know, I've known you for a long time. And similar to me, you come from an entrepreneurial family. So I want to go, I want to go. I want to jump in the time machine. Like, let's jump in the DeLorean and go back to as young as you can remember. So you, you got to this point and you built this amazing business and you're, and it's obvious you're super fulfilled by it, but it didn't happen overnight. And I want to talk about how you were inspired. Cause you could have done like what a lot of guys uh, are, are doing. A lot of, a lot of people are doing, which is like, just go get a job get a W2 and just call it a day and blah, blah, yeah, blah, right? But you're trust not. Me, I, think, I think about that all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, if you're smart, I mean, I have this, I have this quote, you know, you are dumb enough to start a business. Why would you do this? Because you're dumb enough to, I mean, because on, on paper, it makes no sense. Go get a job somewhere. Some billionaire company is willing to cut you with the, you know, paycheck. Anyway, but let's go back, you know, who, who, you know, who is somebody that you've really admired that has inspired you to, to be on your own in, in this way? Is there anyone in particular in your life? I love that question. I will say like, let's go back. I'm down. So I remember the first time my sister, myself and our, we had our, this neighbor, Heather, she's awesome. We got in our cheerleading uniforms and we, <laughs> This is going to come out all wrong, but I'm going to tell it anyway. We were only like teenagers. We were maybe even like 12 and 13. And um, we got in our cheerleading uniforms and we brought like a, like a play school um, plastic table down to the corner of the street where we grew up. And we set up a lemonade stand and shadily, we like made people think that we were like selling lemonade for pop water football <laughs> cheerleading. We were getting like $20 bills. Like obviously like every man on the, like in the world was like pulling over. Like you've got these, you know, awkward 13, 14 year old girls standing on a corner in cheerleading uniforms doing cheerleading. I think we made like 250 bucks each. 
and this is like in the nineties. And my, I will never forget it because my dad still brings it up. We came running home. We're like, we made so much money. And my dad's like, where have you been? We're like on the corner in our cheerleading uniform. My dad's like, so you've been selling yourself on the corner in a cheerleading uniform. It's the oldest profession in the world. Yeah, we're like, they just want our lemonade. Oh my God, it was awesome. And it's so funny. We still bring it up. So that was like our first entrepreneurial venture. Um, As far as people, it's, I've always been like a real free spirit in sort of doing my own thing. Um, I became an entrepreneur. I, I spent... It's interesting. My father didn't become an entrepreneur until he was in his 40s. He sort of, he left, yeah, he left the country club, which he was at for years. My sister is now at the, my sister is the general manager at the country club in Brookline. And my father was the chef at the country club in Brookline. And so he was there until he was about 40. And I always admired that about him just being able to like go and start his own restaurant um, and do that. But I, you know what, if I'm honest, interestingly, no, I haven't really had, I, I did have one, um, man that I worked for in Australia, I've always admired his style, um, of the way that he ran his restaurants. Cause that was sort of where I started in my entrepreneurial venture. I, I had a restaurant in Australia. You had a restaurant? Um, I didn't know this. I did. What was the yeah. restaurant? It was called the LP, the Lawrence project, but it was like seventies inspired. It was such a cool spot. Um, but again, I wasn't probably ready at the time I was being really irresponsible. I was drinking a lot. I don't drink anymore. Um, but at the time I was drinking a lot and, um, I, 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 yeah, I just didn't really have like my ducks in a row and didn't know enough. I think that's the great thing about doing business ventures. And then from there, I opened up a fast moving consumer goods business called yummy little secrets, which was yummy little secrets. I remember when you came out with that and I was so inspired. So tell me. So awesome. How did you come up with that idea? Same Levi, I, my son, Levi, I would make him jam sandwiches and put vegetables in the jam and I would make the jam. And I was like, this is something. And so the idea was to put vegetables into a whole range of products for kids. We had it branded. I had an amazing business partner. Again, I did all of this work in the front and then couldn't for some reason, like see it through. I I couldn't like sell it. I didn't have like the, um, experience at the time to push through the bad to get over the hump right I I just didn't have that at the time I couldn't seem to make that work and it again okay because now it's all sort of part of my journey because I wouldn't have found EQ had I not kept having that same repeating pattern that's interesting and this is Mm -hmm. this is not uncommon people assume that you know someone's got a successful business profession or just anything that they're doing right now in this moment and and they love it and they're fulfilled with it. So it's, 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 you know, it's, it's filling that definition of success for this person. And then, um, people just assume they just went straight there. That was it. Yeah. Straight line. These people yeah. are winners all day long. They're just winning all day long. <laughs> Every day they wake up and win. And then you peel the onion back a little bit and you look under the hood and you find out it's just been a journey of, turndowns, rejection, experiments, mm-hmm. failures, which yes. I think is, we need more of it. Okay. Yeah. And, and you get to where you're going to go and, and that might not last forever either. And that's okay. Cause you're going to move on to another thing. And, and, and I think mm-hmm. it's important. And I think it's, uh, I think it's undervalued 
little, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Like there's this all old, um, chart. That's like what people think the road to success looks like. And it's like this like line and then it goes straight up and then it's like what it actually looks like. And it's like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. It is. Um, and you just, you sort of have to really, um, think of your milestones. You know, I use quarters in my personal life where I'm like, okay, this is what I want to achieve this quarter. And then what have I actually achieved this quarter? And I don't put a lot of weight on the achievement, just more of like the fact that I'm no longer at the place I was 90 days ago, you know? So that. yeah. Cause the goals, goals are, goals are bullshit. <laughs> like they, they are what they are. You can set them. They're amazing to launch for, but they don't, you can get to a goal um, a really shady way, or you can get there with a lot of integrity and a lot of team building and stuff, or you can not get there with a lot of integrity and a lot of team building. The more important thing is that you're building your culture and you're building your yourself. It's not the goal. So yeah, I just don't Trisha, take goals very seriously. Do yeah. people, do people come to you and try to use emotional intelligence as a tool to achieve their goals? So they try to use that as some sort of special wizardry that's going to get me to the next level and I'm going to make a million dollars a day like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 Um, Yeah, that's definitely, um, there's so much to that. It's absolutely the, for me, it's the reason why people are truly successful. Like, you know, I, I love Simon Sinek. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah. yeah, I love him. And he talks about businesses and like how business isn't in the business. We're not in business to make money. Like you don't buy a Lamborghini to really? buy. Yeah, he's like, yeah. What? Wait a second. Hold on here. Wait, I'm what? I'm out of here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Okay, bye. Show over. Peace. There goes the audience. There goes the Mike, audience. Mic drop, but it's on this yeah, arm exactly. thing, so it stays up. Oh God, I love it. So we're I not. It. We're not in business. You say we're not in business to make yeah. money. Okay. Yeah. So money is a vehicle to get us to helping others, acts of service, changing the world, doing things for other people. Yeah, we need money to run business, and we need money to take care of ourselves, our family, and ourselves, our family. And then our community, and then even further, if we can, because if abundance is in the right hands, it's going to the right places, but you have to take care of yourself first. And then he he uses an analogy where he says, you don't buy a Lamborghini to buy gas and buy fuel. Like you buy a Lamborghini to drive a beautiful car and, you know, whatever the case might be for you, but you don't do it to buy, to, to, to have gas, to get fuel, if that makes sense, which is the mentality of what we have that if you do, if you switch your mentality and realize that business is here for us to make a greater impact, then the money will flow. That's always the way you do acts of service. You, the universe will pay you back. If you, if you switch that mentality. That's a great point. You know, I've, I've seen this time and time again, you know, where we, you know, I put myself out there for a client in, before before they become a client, a prospective client, and I simply just provide value. We have conversations, we have a discovery session, and I show them how to get more out of their marketing or get more out of their business. Mm. And and they seek more from it and they want to retain you. And there, there's no sale there. there. There's no, I got to sell them and get them to give me their credit card information. There's, there's none of that. They want more because you're providing value and they're willing to pay you because at that point it's not an expense 
it's an investment. Um, they yes. want to buy as much of your time as possible because every time they do, they get more out of it. I mean, you know, as a coach, you probably get a lot of this. I'm, I know a lot of people get really addicted to, I'll use the word addicted to coaching because they get so much out of it. And, and um, so much, so much. So, uh, uh, where were we? Where, where I don't were we? Try, I love it though. <laughs> You're think, right. Like pe- people do, they get addicted to, you do get addicted to coaching. I will never not work with coach. And then I, t- I try to actually like, look at where the block, where Again, I take a perspective of myself and say, okay, where do I need to have guidance? That's the difference between a coach and a mentor, right? A mentor is someone that we want to follow their path because we respect the journey they're on and they're further ahead than us. A coach is someone who walks alongside you and that's pretty much the difference and they guide you and that's and that's the difference for me. But anyway, yeah, I hear that's you. So really- right now... That's yeah. a really good distinction, by the way, because a lot of people, they assume, you know, if, you, if you're looking for a business coach, you assume I need to hire, if I want to make $10 million a year in my business, I need to hire someone that has made that a hundred times mm-hmm. in a row. And that's the only way they can, they can show me the path. But what you're saying is they don't necessarily have had to achieve your specific goal, but they need to be able to walk with you and alongside, yeah. alongside, got it. Yeah. Whereas a and, mentor and- has been there. And I would always recommend that they have gotten those exact results that you're looking for, for somebody else. So video testimonials for people that are in your same, it are mandatory, in my opinion. I, I believe if you're making that investment, you better see that they've gotten the results for somebody else. They don't necessarily have to do it. I, I had this actually happen to me where someone very close to me said years ago, oh, you're going to be a coach, you, but you've never worked as a CEO. And I said, well, yeah, but does a coach of like the Lakers, are they a Laker or are they there because they have the skill to view the perspective from the outside? So any coach in baseball, they usually don't have a baseball career, maybe, but like they don't have to have that. It's not a prerequisite. They just know the game. They know, and they're able to view it in and, and quite often that's better because you're able to take yourself out and not be in the day-to-day it's almost like the less you know, it's better because you're just dealing with that person. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you some examples of that. Uh, Magic Johnson tried to become a basketball coach. It didn't work. Oh, really? Okay. Um, you look at guys like you know, for those of you that are sports fans, Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time. His personal trainer, the guy that got him to the next level, a guy named Tim Grover, was a mm-hmm. horrible basketball player. He didn't make it. He was a great athlete. It had this incredible intensity. He knew how to tap into Michael Jordan's mind and get him to that next level. But he was never Michael Jordan, but he helped Michael Jordan become the number one of all the number ones. Um, and, and actually did it with Kobe Bryant. He did it with, with all these other basketball stars, not to make this a big NBA thing, but yeah, that's what happened. So that's, uh, you know, a, a few examples there. We've had a lot of number ones of professions. Um, I've seen it with sales. We take the number one sales guy in a lot of the organizations I've been part of, and we make them the sales manager and the organization crashes uh, because that's not their skill. I almost think like they're two different things. So for those of you listening and you're looking to hire Trisha or, or another coach or you're looking for help, don't expect them to be, you know, a former CEO of a $1 billion fortune 100 company. That, that's not what you're looking for. In fact, um, if they were, they're probably not a good coach. I mean, yeah. you know, history will will prove that time and time again. Trisha, yeah. I want to, you know, 
I, I love this conversation and we're going to have you on a lot, not just once, but multiple times. But I want to find out, we did a lot of, you know, present. We jumped into the DeLorean a little bit. We went back to, uh, we went back to the, uh, you work in the corner with, with the other, with your friends there and the 250 bucks in the lemonade stand. But I want to talk about what's in your future. Like, what are you looking forward to right now? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for asking. Yep. Really, um, again, sort of, um, I am, I do believe I'm at the forefront of really this ripple effect of, of bridging self-development with family and sort of spiritual journeys, uh, within organizations on one hand. And then the other hand is just deeping my energetic work because, um, my goal is to really heal as many people, uh, and whatever that looks like for them, uh, in my lifetime. I think that's why I'm here and I'm doing that and I'm listening and to my calling and I'm, I'm going for it. So I'm, I, I see myself working in the field of energetic frequency, neurology, uh, and into emotions, emotional regulation and, and doing that through neurological, uh, neurological and uh, energetic studies and understanding so that's phenomenal yeah that's phenomenal. i love it Absolutely how love can it. i want my friends my family my my network to be part of your network because i'm part of your network and I, I love everything you're putting out right now how can they be part of your network how can they use your services how can they reach out to trisha Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. So it's Trisha Grant on LinkedIn, T-R-I-C-I-A. Um, and we have our business EQ culture. If you're an organization or human resources, um, and you're interested in learning more about this modality, um, it's an amazing, amazing tool to have in your tool belt and you get a certification and completion of our EQ culture online course, uh, which also, um, includes laser, coaching for organizations as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful package. So that's one way. And then on Facebook, as I mentioned, um, because I'm a little bit woo woo and I don't, I, I do like to, um, right now, this is what is where I am in my journey. So I'm Asha T healing on, on Facebook, uh, and Instagram, and that's where you're going to get more emotional regulations, energetic work and healing work. So, you guys, we're going to yeah. go ahead and take links for, uh, Trisha's uh, Instagram, her Facebook, her LinkedIn, and her website, and put it in the show notes. If you're listening to this on one of the podcast plat podcast platforms, we'll have links for everything there. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll make sure we add it to the comments um, in the description. So please check out Trisha. What she's putting out there is just so phenomenal. If you don't particularly need the services yet, or you're not sure how to connect the two, get in her network in some capacity through social media and just be part of it. Cause what she's putting out is so absolutely phenomenal. And thank you for being on the show. You've added value to every listener right now. I promise you that. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. That was awesome. You're yeah. such a good host. You've got like the perfect voice. I have the DJ it. voice. It's raspy. It's DJ. from losing my DJ. voice over DJ. the years. <laughs> See you, Trisha. Bye, darling. See ya.